UX Podcast Episode 198. Listening to UX Podcast coming to you from Stockholm, Sweden. We are your hosts, Pat Axbom and James Roy Lawson. With listeners in 180 countries, has that increased since last time? Yeah. Wow. From Argent- Argentina to Albania. Carrie Hen is a content whisperer at Tanzan, guiding you to getting content strategy pieces working together. She's also the co author of Designing Connected Content, together with Mike Atherton who has been a guest on the show previously. Mm -hmm. Carrie offers training and consulting designed to change how organizations approach content. Her approach brings together people, processes, and systems to define what content is needed and how to produce it. And in this interview from UXLex in Lisbon, we talked to Carrie about the benefits of doing content first, before design and development, and why designers are traditionally so bad at doing just this. We talk about how to stop filling boxes, using content spec sheets, and how content first fits so well with future conversational interfaces. We also get some great tips on how to get started, as well as a few tools to help you along. Every once in a while, uh, we keep circling back to the subject in teams of content, and we know that we really should be starting with content because that's sort of what the point of producing a product often a website is because the content is what meets the customer and that's what what makes them act. For some reason, content seems to be always coming in at the end, after the design work, after the development, and then somebody has to push it in really quickly at the end. Why do we keep doing it wrong? <laughs> you know, I think people don't know that there's another way. Mm. Um, they don't know what they mm. don't know. Um, I started doing content first about 10 years ago, almost-ish. Um, and I was lucky enough to work with a team where everyone was frustrated with the content jamming, being jammed in at the end, being late, causing delays mm. in projects. And we said, how can we fix this? Um, and so we reworked our process so that the content planning came first um, and we could plan the CMS so that we knew what kind of content needed to go in. We knew the shape of the content, mm. so that could be produced at the same time as the CMS was developed and the design was being done. So it was a very parallel process, which also meant that since I started doing that, any project where I've had control over the content, nothing, I haven't had a con- project that's been waiting for content. In fact, we're usually oh. waiting for the really? CMS to oh. be done. Wow. That's lovely. I was just, <laughs> I was just say, uh, reflecting, thinking, Oh, I don't think I've ever been part of a project where content has been first. Um, I mean, I've, I've okay, okay. I'm going to exclude things like WordPress sites, where you you're reskinning. I mean, reskinning mm-hmm. something that exists already. I don't think that really counts. Right. In the kind of content production mm-hmm. and design aspect. I mean, um, but the times when you re you you are planning to redo mm-hmm. the content, or there are definitely going to be text textual elements to the thing you're building, which is always the case then it ne- it's never come first. Yeah, mm. and sometimes, so now a lot more people are conscious of this, mm. and so they'll put real copy and wireframes. So yeah. the buttons will be, d- the micro copy will be done, but you still don't know yet what the structure 
of that underlying content is and and it still comes later like basically here's the wireframes now let's find a way to fill there's st you're still filling boxes up yeah. with content instead of building the boxes for the content um so that's what doing doing the content first and i'm in in this stage with a client right now where we've got all the structure set up and sample content and now it's being designed and built mm. um and that's a little bit different for our designer um but we're working through it we're testing different ways to yeah. to make sure that we're designing for the content Is and we've already designed the content so how do you how do you manage that that process? I mean, how because it is it is um, not the order that we would mm -hmm. have traditionally designed. So so how do you, how do you manage it? How does that how does that look that process? There's a lot of hand holding because <laughs> there's a lot of ambiguity because people still want to know well, what is this going to look like? How is this going to end up? Because but we're not designing web pages, so we're we're designing we're creating resources. So each content so it comes out of the model. So we've done a content model that has all the attributes in it. Um, and then we pick which which of those attributes need to be in this representation, which is often a website. Um, and then we can say, okay, these are the attributes we're going to use. They're going to get clumped together in this way to make sense to fulfill user needs. Um, so then those clumps can be become design patterns. Hmm. Um, you know, if you have a featured blog post, so you have the title, an image, a summary, and a date maybe. And so you know now what all the elements are and you know exactly how much content you have. And we've specified, okay, the headlines need to be less than 150 characters or summary needs to be less than 300, you know, things like that. So you know the maximum so it doesn't break a design when you get different content. Um, and then they can build that and then it can get coded and now it's a design pattern and a code pattern. Yeah. Um, but it comes from the content instead of saying, oh, this might look good and then not knowing what content to put yeah, exactly. in it. Exactly. Yeah. So so you yeah, so you use attributes so like mm -hmm. metadata you 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 store uh, effectively design what well, is it context you'd say you you mm -hmm. put into that text then. So Yeah, so there's some context. So there might be some attributes that have specific context. Mm. Um some are universal um like the date, but if you know right. like a blog post might have three different images. It might have a featured, mm. it might have a thumbnail and it might have a body yeah. image or something, and those are stored separately so mm. they can be used when when they're needed mm. um, in the right context. Because obviously a featured mm. one might only be on the blog post itself when you're mm. reading the blog post, but you need that thumbnail in lots of different places. Mm. Or maybe you put it in, it gets published somewhere outside of your website and you need a different size, so you could have a different size. So some things are very contextual and we build for that, it, you know, for what we know. But most things are are fairly universal, and we just pick and choose mm. in the different representations. That makes me think of WordPress specifically, where you have author would be one of those elements, and sometimes an article actually has more than one author. So I guess working with content first, that would be something you would discover mm -hmm. and, and understand that yes, we need more than one author, and we need space for that, and we need some way to communicate it. Yeah, and. Fi fi doing the attributes first mm. and mm. figuring out all those different content types, mm. we can then find sample content. And so I guide my clients and give them a list of what they need to produce for sample content, whether they're creating it or finding existing content that has this set of attributes. Or you know, if we know there might be multiple authors, okay, 
find find a blog post that has one author, find one that has two, find one that has three, mm. so that we can see how that all works yeah. um, before we get all the way to the end and find out, oh, we need, and of course things can always change, but if you if you think about it in in all of those permutations ahead of time, you're more likely to, to say, oh, that could be possible, so let's plan for that. Mm. Um, or, you know what, I don't ever see that happening, so we can be less flexible um, right. than we need to be. So yeah. you determine the, the flexibility by thinking about what you need and what the future might hold. It's really a, just a matter of spending time on thinking about yes. the content beforehand. <laughs> <laughs> it seems so self-evident, but... It, it does, <laughs> but, but we, we've just yeah. been conditioned to think mm. that the web is visual. Yeah. And, and that's what... But that's where all the opinions lie. It's very subjective. Mm. There's, but the content itself is fairly objective. Yeah. It's the content. I mean, there's obviously copy about you know the the branding message and what what's it, what are we going to say about ourselves? Um, what is the blog post actually going to say? But you have people, you know, but you can decide that in itself without having to think about the whole mm. website. And then those things are used outside of the website themselves. Mm. Like the branding message doesn't just appear on the website. Mm. It's the whole organization's brand. Um, but and then you think about that as you're creating the copy and the user and then the user experience comes into all of it. You know, the question I get is like, well, should we do it like this or should I do it like that? I'm like, well, what does your user want? Yeah. I don't have the answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and so now the cl that client, they've asked that question enough times as they're starting to create their copy that, uh, they're like, is the is the answer just what does <laughs> the user want? I'm like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's still so the I've answer. Trained, <laughs> I've trained them well. I feel like that, but that's a lot of. I think that's the other side of it. You asked how I get them to do it. It is. There's a lot of guiding mm. through this and handholding. I'm not doing. I'm. They're doing. The client is doing a lot of the work. I'm just giving them tools and and a way to think about it. And so they've been learning as we've been going over these months, um, going through lots of different, through the modeling and through the user journeys. And we've done some testing. We've done already two rounds of testing and we don't have a single color on the screen. <laughs> mm, nice. <laughs> um, yeah. So we know we have an idea of how this is resonating. And is mm. it answering some of the questions that the client had? Mm. Like, we know we need to raise money and we know this information, they've done a lot of research for fundraising, but not, are we answering mm. the questions on the web? And that's what we've, we've done some work on, we've been able to test for by doing the content first mm. instead of, oh, is this, can people donate? Yes, they can click through all the screens mm. and make a donation that's usable. Mm. But at what, you know, are they, at what point are they likely to drop off? What questions do they have? So we can anticipate that funnel and also, I was just having a conversation with them yesterday about this is, you know, how much content to have on a page. You know, we've kind of gone back being very minimal. Like, oh, we had too much content. Mm. Now we've gone back too far the other way. Mm. Uh, like, yeah. No, we need to have just enough mm. to answer the questions and, but not too much that they're, they're bored and they leave before mm. they get to the call to action. So we need to have just that right amount so that they can make that decision to donate and get them right mm. to the donation. Don't have that interstitial page because one of the other content types has it. Yeah. Um, and do the thing that makes sense for the user journey.
Exactly. And if you're focusing on the content, you can experiment with the length of the mm -hmm. content in a better way than if you actually had decided on a design and the, the design breaks because you're experimenting with right. the length of content. Exactly. But but ultimately they've got to they've got to they've got to live in harmony. I mean you yes you've, they you've, they you've do. You've got to mix the two together in the pot, haven't you? In mm -hmm. the end to see what it still absolutely. works. But uh, what you said something in the beginning that really struck a chord with me. You said that you write work with the content because the content has a shape, it has a form, of course, mm -hmm. and that's that's the shape that's to sort of steer the design. You mm -hmm. think of design as having a shape, and you're pushing the design into that shape. But the the design is already in the content if you're focusing on the content first. Mm -hmm. Also, it seems to me that this much have, must have so many positive benefits when it comes to accessibility, when it comes to that we're working now with more conversational user interfaces. Everything is going more towards actually just plain, plain text. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Content's all that's left. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's always, yeah. it's so often less. Yeah. Or it's recreated mm. for this mm. new thing that we have now. So mm. because you have a website, everything is kind of lobby. Often, often it's not all the time. Some mm. people have done been doing this work for a while, um, but often it's in these big blobs that you can't use for conversational UI or you can't use for voice mm. interfaces. So when you start with that model, and you're you're shaping it and you're structuring it, you can reuse that content in that new interface without having to re reformat yeah. and reshape it and recreate it again which then makes you go back and think, oh, I should have done it for that, mm. and now you've got to go back and do another thing. Instead, it's all one. Yeah. And then it goes out to many, many places uh, that some things we can't even think about yet. Exactly. It's RSS <laughs> all over again. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering, when you, when you do, when we have done content first and you've, you've created this lovely um, set of blobs, <laughs> um, chunks, chunks. You said chunks. <laughs> blobs, chunks. Um, um, yeah, with all their attitude, attributes, and then then the designer does come in. Mm -hmm. How 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 do they extract the the content that they would require for for a particular um, I don't know um, page or or mm -hmm. screen or whatever it is that they're actu they're actually getting to the point of 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 taking the first design steps with me. Yeah. Now. So we have we have uh, part of what we've created as an artifact is what I call content spec sheets. So it has that list of attributes and it has that sample content in it. So now the designer can take that, like all of this stuff needs to be on this screen mm. and let the designer take that and, and divide that up into to the ways that make sense. And then, you know, once, once they do that, then we can come back as the content people and the client to say, yeah, that makes sense. Um, and and then of course those patterns are reusable. So if like the, like the example I said with the blog post, it's featured. Mm. Well, maybe we have some other content type that's very similar. If there's an article or um, a press release or something else that's a similar type of content, but just a little bit different structure, you can reuse that design pattern mm. and just flow those attributes from that content type in. So those you know it's very much you know the atomic design. Methodology yeah. fits exactly with that. Mm. The, the you know what Brad Frost has talked about. Exactly. Lots of people have been using. Mm. Yeah, because there'll be a there's a there's a, a synergy there between. Yeah, you've broken it down to that level where you get mm -hmm. to just bits of content. So that if the design's built on those blocks, then it's I guess yeah, it's going to be easy for the designer to, to pick those bits out to mm -hmm. work with. Yeah. 
I'm, I suppose this also prevents overdesigning because that's mm-hmm. what you see a lot. Of. I guess a lot of clients or a lot of managers or even product owners, they, they want to see the big screen. And some, sometimes you work on interfaces that <coughs> actually people, 80% of your customers, are, they use on mobile. But they ne- those are never shown in meetings, mm. those interfaces. <laughs> but if you work with content first, that doesn't matter as much because then you're focusing on the flow and on the, are they getting it? Can they go through it without mm-hmm. even colors being there? Yeah, and mm. so we, we've been doing that. So mm. the, the person that I work with is not the CEO. It's, mm. it's some sort of person who's acting as a project manager, so yeah. a web manager or director of communications or something like that. So they have to be able to share that out and get approval. So that's another thing we spend time on is like, okay, what does, what does your boss need to know? Mm. What does your senior leadership team need to know? And make sure that they are, have what they need to communicate because it is different. And so there is a lot of ambiguity. Um, so, so we have to make them comfortable with that and just just guide them through and say, it's okay, and I've done this before. <laughs> just like anything new, you, you just have to, to know that it's gonna be okay mm. and trust, trust the, the process. And now we can see it, because now we've had these conversations, like, well, one day we might wanna do that. I said, or that we really wanna do this and we wanna do that. I'm like, you really don't have the, the scope for that in this project but it's all set up for you to do that later. You can get it out there, get the site launched, you can do some further testing, do some measurements, and then if that doesn't work or you want to expand on it, you don't have to start over. You you have all the elements you need. You just have to put them together in a new way. There's a progressive enhancement, I Mm -hmm. think, was a phenomenon everybody was talking about a while back. So yeah, you design the, the smallest thing you need to actually accomplish what you need. And then you just add what adds to the usability mm-hmm. or makes it easier. Yeah, and a lot of it is adding functionality rather yeah. than content. It's yeah. different ways to access that content. Right. Yeah, uh, finding new lenses to look at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. So how would you how how do you um, approach um, multiple languages in in this? So the same way. Um, so if so, with by breaking everything down into those attributes in the tiniest little pieces. Um, now those can be, you can have an English set, you can have a Chinese set, you can have mm. a Portuguese set, um, cause they're all the same attributes. Yeah. Um, but because they're chunked down, maybe I know a lot of times only part of a website is translated. Mm. Uh, so you can choose just which pieces, which content types need to be translated and apply those. And of course your CMS needs to support that um, because you don't want completely different, they're still related, mm. they're still the same content, they're just in different languages. Mm. Um, but m- most CMSs these days support multilingual sites because, and those are represented in different ways. And of course, you have Chinese is like top to bottom, Arabic left to right, or right to left. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, so you have to accommodate those things, exactly. but if you've already chunked it down, mm. it's it's a matter of shifting the interface to so do that. Yeah, so it becomes it becomes an extra um, example piece of content. Mm-hmm. When you release it, we yeah. go to the example of the blog post with one author and two authors, you don't have um, oh, um article in Chinese mm-hmm. as a third example yeah. to add to it. To right, to and especially, yeah, especially if you're having different alphabets, mm. um, you definitely want to, if you had multiple languages, like if you're the UN, 
you you've got lots of languages you don't just have two or three mm-hmm. um, and lots all those different alphabets you can have some examples to make sure they're they're displaying properly and not with that alphabet yeah and not breaking the whole design which have been been part of more than once mm-hmm. when you, you <laughs> get to you get to some of the non oh the, the more the more um, distant languages from what you would recognize as being mm-hmm. what Latin-based characters right. and, and, yeah, and all weird things can happen with designs that you didn't expect at all. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And we you can develop a different interface template mm. for that because and accommodate that, that it doesn't change what you did for, for the English or German side of it. Mm. Yeah. So... I get it. I'm a junior designer. I understand I need to work with content first, but where do I start? I mean, how do I convince everybody else that this is a good <laughs> idea? Uh, <laughs> yes, the age-old question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it's... They can read our bu- my book. Yeah. <laughs> good stuff. We'll link to that in the show notes. Um, yeah, so so that's one. There, there are a lot of resources. Mm. Um, it's asking, it's knowing what questions to ask, knowing that you can do it differently yeah. um, is a thing. So it leads to new questions. So make sure you're asking what content goes in here um, instead of just blindly mm. saying, okay, yeah, I have this wireframe. Now I'm going to turn mm. it into pixels mm. um, or whatever it is you're getting. Um, you know, ask, ask a lot of questions so that you can design for, for them um, for, for whatever, you, whatever you feedback you get. Um, that's one way. I start with something that that you have a lot of control of, or s- other people don't have, and and try to do that first. Try to do a little little bit of the process yourself. Of okay, I know what content. You know, I mm. can see from the current website that this is their content. So if uh, just assume that this is going to be similar, um, how would I break that up? Yeah. Um, there's also another. Um, I think it was in Smashing Magazine, um, and we c- I can give you the link to put in the show notes, um, called something, it, it's something, but it's from a developer, a front-end developer's perspective of coding oh, okay. with content first, and he breaks down um, a, w- a web page and how inaccessible it is because the code and everything is all over the place right, yeah. when like you look at it and it looks like it's in order, but the code isn't. Right, so right. he... Um, talks about how to break that down from a different perspective so something like that might help uh, a front-end developer or designer mm-hmm. who's who wants to have the content first but isn't really sure how to talk about it so that's a different perspective so I'll I'll share share that as yeah. well um, but yeah I think a lot is just knowing that there's another way and starting to ask questions and getting in early um, and not and trying to nudge yourself in earlier nudge yourself into the process early with the project manager product manager whoever's managing Mm. your work um to to be part of it early and start asking those questions make people think yeah i do really like the idea of chunking and uh, because it's so developer friendly as well Mm -hmm. really Mm. one thing I've, i've noticed that when you do talk about content first some people do get scared of the fact that you, it sounds like you mean every single bit of content first. Right. Does it, it doesn't have to be no. that, does it? No, it means mm. some content. So that's where I talk about the sample content. So once we've created the content types, 
Um, and I usually do that all at once so we can see the bigger picture because mm. sometimes you end up needing to change some things as you go along. Mm. Um, so I do usually do that all at first, um, but then develop. And so now, now we're taking groups of content types and doing little sprints that we're getting the sample content, we're getting the, the, the design pattern set, the code, and making sure the CMS is, is ready to accept it all and spit it out. Um, so we're doing that in, in groups. So we have like two, two and a half week sprints set for all of that. So, and then we'll, we'll keep going on, on that. And as we go, we expect to be more efficient because first of all, we've been doing it, but also a lot of those patterns that we developed early will be able to be reused um, towards the end. So, um, and we, yeah, prioritizing that so that, yeah, you can start working in, in, in sprints in that way, but doing the planning and sprint, if you're doing Agile, mm. Sprint Zero or is part of your discovery planning process that's outside of, of the sprints. But a lot, this can work in any methodology, however, exactly, yeah. however it works. So there's no one right answer. No, no. Um, it's how it works for your team, but knowing mm. this is the content that's gonna go mm. into your, your product. Yeah. And you're gonna, you, of course, gonna, you're gonna build up confidence with certain um, uh, assets as mm -hmm. the project goes on, I mean, when you've when you've used the heading, the example headings, when you've implemented them in designs a number of times, then your confidence level about that 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 the attributes of that content and mm -hmm. how it w how it's designed and how how it works w will be sky high. Right. So then then you can run with that one, I suppose, and yep. make do all the content for that one. Right. Whereas other bits of content might be much less mature because you haven't mm -hmm. maybe quite fleshed them out exactly. Right. Yeah. Uh, I can yeah, I can see how that works out. Yeah, fits in with the agile way of working too. It seems really obvious now how it, it saves time and it contributes to high quality. So mm -hmm. <laughs> it should be a no-brainer. <laughs> but yes. yeah, and but that, so you make a yeah. point. So yeah. a lot of people yeah. say, "Oh, we don't have yeah. the money to yeah. do content strategy," mm. and I say, "How do you not? Yeah. You know, <laughs> exactly. it's it doesn't cost more. It mm -hmm. just shifts time and budget yeah. around. Exactly. Um, way back." A long time ago, um, when I was in an agency, we had this client who, in our proposal, this is our timeline, and we spent two-thirds of the time on, on planning and design, getting everything ready, and a third on development. Mm. And he just was adamant that we weren't spending enough time on development. Yeah. Mm. Like, really, we, we've mm. done this process a lot, and this is what works. This is We're doing all of this. We're not waiting till the end to start doing something is just an outcome. Mm. Now development, the CMS development and programming is an outcome of, of what you've done. It's not just waiting around doing nothing. Exactly. We've got the developers involved, the engineers mm. involved early. They know what's going on. They can mm. even work on some of the, the functionality mm. that we know we need to build, but usually that comes in when you're talking about the content. But there's yeah. plenty of work for people to do the whole time when, mm. you, when you're doing when everybody is involved from the beginning. Yeah. You need to kill some preconceptions about how timelines look. Yes. <laughs> so maybe one day we can end up with not r you know, writing articles, writing content like mm. five to midnight before mm. we press the button <laughs> and yeah. release the website. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and that can be done. And gather content is a great tool to, to create the content in because mm. that can be, that can directly flow into most CMSs these mm. days. Um, and also, yeah, because that's set up with that same you set it up with that same structure, so people can keep it, keep it going, and mm. and then you just 
I assume you press a button that magically appears in the CMS. I'm sure it's not that magic. <laughs> I think, I think Never is. <laughs> but but if everything, if you and of course you, the first time you do it, it mm. doesn't work that way. But you get it to a point where it does. So yeah. um, that's a great tool. And there's a few other tools like that that are starting to be developed because people are seeing the advantage of exactly. of being able to work on the content instead of waiting. Mm for the CMS to be ready and waiting for the design to be done. Yeah. It, it's, it's essential if mm -hmm. because if you've got to put it somewhere. Yeah, I used to use yeah. Google Docs exactly. for it for smaller projects because, mm. you know, gather content is, is a big tool. You don't need it for a 50-page website um, necessarily, but the bigger, the more decentralized your writing process is and, and most organizations have a lot of content contributors. And so approval process as yeah, well. Yeah, and the, the approval the process, yeah, yeah, and different yeah. content types have different approval processes. You can build that in to both your CMS and gather yeah. content can just mirror that. Um, nice. So, um, and they don't pay me to talk about them. I just think they're great. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I, I, I like the two as well. It's nice. Thank you so much for sitting down with us, Carrie. Uh, I know I have a lot of stuff to fix now around <laughs> the way I work. <laughs> So thank you again. All right. Well, thanks yeah. for having me. Thank you. Now, listening back to this interview, it always strikes me, and we've talked to some people who are doing content first before, and it strikes me it's just it's mind-blowing that we keep getting it wrong. We keep waiting with content until the, until the end, and then we stress about it, and we try to find people to produce the content that needs to fit in some framework that has been designed by someone who didn't know what the content was going to be. Why do we keep doing this? Yeah, we've got too many deep-rooted conventions around how timelines are for, for, for digital production. Mm. And, I, and I guess a lot of those timelines relate back to, to the origin of print. I yeah. think about, you know, with journalism, mm -hmm. in many situations, is, is, is um, or has been almost factory-like. You know, some of the newspapers, you know, you've got to produce that article. Uh, now I'm thinking Spider-Man. Oh, yeah. Uh, You're sent Peter out Parker's. to get this piece for yeah, us. Yeah, we've got to have it by five o'clock, yeah. and you've got to write six column inches, yeah. and it's got to be done by that time. Two photos. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it's always done last. Mm -hmm. You know, you have your page, you have mm -hmm. your newspaper, mm -hmm. you know how many pages you're printing because mm -hmm. an extra page costs money and mm -hmm. you haven't got the budget for it. You know how many columns you've got. You know, So traditionally, the, the print world was was content last yeah and you know, sometimes you were just filling spaces so we've we've as a, as a like under as a foundation for what we're doing mm. we have treated content badly that's so true that's very true uh from my perspective also because the way i've seen it before is that it's just not sexy i mean <laughs> drawing pretty pictures even with with just lorem ipsum text it's so much nicer to show to clients and then you can get a sign off and then you can continue. Yeah. So it's, it's something that sells a lot more than just look at, re please read this text, which a lot of people even hate doing mm. <laughs> if they aren't a target group yeah. and have to judge. There's more expertise involved, I'm going to say now, or maybe, no, mo no, that, no, that's Ooh. not fair. There's not more expertise involved, Different. but it's easier for people to have an opinion about the design and pretty pictures than it is for them to have an opinion about the text. So that just means seems like much more of an effort, and people just don't think about well, it. Well, it is more. Of a, mm -hmm. I mean, it is more of an effort. Mm -hmm. If you to read words, you you actually do have to look at the mm -hmm. words, not all of them, but you have to yeah. look at the number of the words <laughs> to be able to get a gist of it. Whereas yeah. whereas to to 
um, absorb mm. um, an image, mm. you don't need to process letters and words mm. and 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 you know mm. put it through your brain into a coherent sentence. It's mm. it's it's just look at that, and you can get a feel from that. You don't get necessarily a feel from two hundred words on a on a you know in a document yeah. just by staring ten seconds at it. Mm. And you don't, I think, as well if you if you if you reflect on how we you kind of you pitch things. Um, doubt you're going to win over a bunch of, of kind of stakeholders by pitching 150 words at them. Yeah, at the same time, uh, people, people always talk about how important it is to have an elevator pitch, mm-hmm. and that's only words. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's all depending on the use case, I guess. Yeah. And Kerry does say that we've been conditioned to think that the web is visual, mm-hmm. and that is so true. But, and when she, but when she breaks it down and into these little chunks that she calls it, mm-hmm. and you realize, yes, because that content has to live everywhere. So getting the content right has to be your top priority in many ways. Mm-hmm. But then I say, again, so, now we're, so is it a struggle between who wants to be the top priority, or is anyone really the top priority in something where a lot of things have to work together? Yeah, I think um, you know, we talked about content first, but it, it, everything can't be first. And you cannot be... I mean, you, we, we talk about how we, nothing we design survives that initial confrontation with users. Mm-hmm. You know, when you test something you've done, you learn stuff and you have to change it. Yeah. And that is true every single time. Mm. No matter how long, how long you've been doing this for, you still get surprised. Mm. Um and the same thing is with words. So even if you do words first, mm. content first, you still need to be r- able or willing or ready to, to adjust them. Sure. But then you can just do the prototypes with only words and, and test that yes. way before you, you actually put the words into some sort of frame. Yeah. If it's possible, yeah. Mm. It gets good. But, then but then it changes, and <sighs> then you have to test that. So it, you're still working in an iterative yeah. process, and then you may actually have to change something we didn't talk about that. We, you may have actually have to change the content anyway, based on the what it has yeah, to well, fit no, in. Well, no, we did want to talk about um, working um, in content sprints. Yes, exactly. I mean, so, yes. so like you, 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 mm. you can't know what text will work mm. best on a form mm. until you've put the text into yeah. a form, until you've constructed the form, mm. and then you've put it out there with real mm. users. You, you, yes, you can learn bits on the mm. way, mm. and and that that mm. you know you need to produce that bit of content for a form as a as a Blob. No, oh, hold on. It's me that says blob. Yeah. Carrie says chunks. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, but once you've once you've known you've got that blob with those attributes, then you can at least produce it so it's it's ready to be used mm. in an early prototype in version 0.1 of of the form or you know, version one of the site when it's released. Yeah. So doing it, doing content earlier, even if it's not first, avoiding doing it last. Yes, exactly. That's the whole point, isn't it? Stop doing it last. Mm. <laughs> That would be a huge benefit. What I also love about what she's saying really is that she is actually teaching the organization how to think about users. She's saying a lot that she's not telling them what to do. She's asking questions, making them realize they have to ask the users. Carrie doesn't have the answer. The users have the answers. So it's all about coaching the people. She she even says in the beginning, it's about hand-holding. Hold their hands so they feel comfortable. And she says, I've done this before. It's going to be okay, which reminds me of Steve Portugal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it's all going to be okay. Make people feel that we're we're going along the right path here, and it's uh, it's one that works, and it has been proven to work before. Because that's also part of this, because it does change a lot of the way that 
a lot of organizations work today around content. If we move it more to the top of the uh, priority list, then people are going to ask questions mm. and you need to be there and help them feel comfortable with that. That's completely true. Mm. If you if you re have been part of web mm. of redoing websites before, they've got like eight, ten thousand pages that need to be rewritten as part of the project. Yeah. That is petrifying. That is <laughs> scary. So so I absolutely understand where she's coming from. Mm. That you do you do have to be there to say it's gonna be okay. Mm. Be reassuring. Please subscribe to the show if you don't already. Our entire collection of episodes is available on Spotify, and there are some great shows in our back catalog to sink your teeth into. A good one to listen to next would be episode 105, which features Nicole Fenton, Alistair Somerville, and Mike Atherton, all in the same episode. Yeah, so um, Nicole talking about content. Mm -hmm. uh, Mike talking, of course, um, about, well, it was, it, was, it was data constructs, wasn't it? Yeah. I haven't looked at you what a 105 is. I'm just thinking back. It was um, <laughs> You're actually trying to remember now. I'm trying to remember things. Uh, and Alistair, we talked about um, museums and, and, and um, experiences. Oh, yeah. yeah. Physical experiences. Mm. I think. If, if I'm wrong, don't complain. <laughs> so links um, related to this episode, you can find on the um, website, uxpodcast.com. Um, we'll also send them out as part of our backstage email. So you can sign up for that as well at the website. Um, thank you for spending some time with us. Remember to keep moving. See you on the other side. there prism prism who prism is where convex go <laughs> <laughs> that's the first good one <laughs>